This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. According to his creator, Dashiell Hammett, Sam Spade was a new character created specifically for the Maltese Falcon. He had not appeared in any of Hammett's previous stories. Here's what Hammett says about him. Spade has no original. He's a dream man in the sense that he is what most of the private detectives I work with would like to have been, and in their cockier moments thought they had approached. For your private detective does not, or did not ten years ago when he was my colleague, want to be an erudite solver of riddles in the Sherlock Holmes manner. He wants to be a hard and shifty fellow, able to take care of himself in any situation, able to get the best of anybody he comes in contact, whether it be criminal, innocent bystander, or a client. Actor Howard Duff was excellent in the role and served as the title character, The Adventures of Sam Spade, from 1946 to 1949. And then he continued after the series switched over to NBC. Tonight's episode is entitled The Vathio Cup Caper. The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. The non-alcoholic hair tonic that contains lanolin. Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. Just won $104 million, six deep freeze units, a stable of polo ponies with matching saddle soap, a terry cloth robe with chocolate bars pre-melted into the pockets, and a full-size, real, honest-to-goodness dreadnought, such as is used by Uncle Sam's Navy. Oh, I'm sorry you have to call back. I'm expecting to be taking dictation from my employer very shortly. Oh, I am sorry. Your time is up. And Edna St. Vincent Markowitz, who sent in the question, gets bumped off in front of the studio audience gathered in the Dredgewood room here in Columbia Square. Next night, don't answer your phone, stupid. Oh, Sam. Let's have no coaching, please. Oh, did you find the cop? Was it murder? Was it really worth some, well, you know, priceless and like that? And was it fun? Yes, 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 and no. And finally, are you kidding? Well, then why was it called the Vathio Cop? It's a very old Greek expression, which is what I'll be wearing as I sit in your lap dictating my report on the Vathio Cup Keeper. Dashiell Hammett, America's leading detective fiction writer and creator of Sam Spade, the hard-boiled private eye, and William Spear, radio's outstanding producer-director of mystery and crime drama, join their talents to make your hair stand on end with the adventures of Sam Spade. Presented by the makers of Wild Root Cream Oil for the hair. And now, with Howard Duff starring as Spade, Wild Root brings to the air the greatest private detective of them all in the adventures of Sam Spade. Well, 
that date, uh, August 22nd, 1948, to uh, Jethro Chiswick, Esquire. Oh, spelling thing. Uh, E-S-Q-U. No, Sam, I meant the name. Um, Chisro Jethwick. I did not say Chisro Jethwick. I said Jesro Chithwick. I mean, Chisro... Uh, uh, look, we'll check it later. Oh, Sam, it might... I have an uncle in Berkeley named Smith. Leave your family out of this, Eph. But he's only by marriage, Sam. It's quite a common name. Name three people named Chiswick. No, Smithwick, Sam. Let me see. There's Uncle George and Aunt Amelia by a previous marriage. Then there's my cousin Rupert on the Christie side. When you have finished ruminating amongst the foliage of your family tree, Miss Perrine. Well, I only mentioned it in your right, that we'll name that you thought you... All over again. Tear out that page. Yes, Your Highness. Oh, no, please. No need to curtsy. Uh, to, uh, Jethro Chiswick. No comment, please. From Samuel Spade, license number 137596. <coughs> What's that? Nothing, sir, nothing. Wrote. Subject, the Vafio Cupcaper. Dear Commodore, that's the way I like you. Neat. I had always considered myself fairly well-versed in the subject of cups. But if anybody had told me there was such a thing as a Vafio Cup, they could have knocked me over with one, which they did. Mr. Spade? Yeah. I'm Chester A. Brody. I talked with your secretary on the phone. Do you follow? Oh, uh, yes, Mr. Brody. Sit down. Rest your package. Thank you. I prefer to hold it for the time being. My card, sir. Theophilus and Brody, importers and exporters, mm hmm? Mr. Theophilus is my partner, Dimitri Theophilus. Do you follow? I follow. It was Mr. Theophilus who brought the Vafio Cup into the firm. I furnished the cash capital. Vafio Cup, I do not follow. Yes, indeed. The only one of these treasures to fall into private hands. One of the fabulous Vafio cups. Those exquisite and cunningly wrought examples of the art of the ancient Grecian goldsmith. Excavated by the great Schliemann from a beehive tomb in Sparta. Mm, beehive. Mycenaean age. Just west of the Lion Gate. Oh, the Lion Gate. Uh, pardon me, uh, Mr. Brody. Are you trying to tell me that this cup is very valuable? Priceless. And that you will finally manage to find a buyer? You follow? And that you want me to deliver that package containing your priceless cup and return with your customer's cash? Accurately put. I presume you're bonded. Uncork me and see for yourself. <laughs> you are a droll fellow, to be sure. I had a light breakfast, drolls and coffee. Now, uh, what is this uh, Vafio cup? I will show it to you. You are about to see a treasure, but few eyes have looked upon in our time, Mr. Spade. The Vafio cup. And with careful. It's fragile. You could crush it in your hand like so much tinfoil. Yet this golden relic of a golden age has come down through the centuries miraculously unscathed. Note the delicately wrought lines of the bas-relief, the exquisite draperies on the figure of the karyatid, the anguish on the face of the fallen hunter, the sheer brute force of the wild boar charging to the kill. Holding this golden cup in your hands, you encompass 3,000 years. Do you comprehend why there's no question of insurance here? Frankly, I don't. My dear man, an item such as this is worth only as much as a collector will pay for it. This particular collector has offered $200,000. It might never be offered again. You follow? I follow. Very well. Here's your fee. $100. I follow. And here is the address of my client in Los Angeles, Commodore Jethro Chiswick. Oh, now, wait a minute. You will take the noon train. Any questions? Yeah, why can't I go on a plane? Because I've placed an item in this afternoon's papers... To the effect that the treasure is to be transported by train. If I were a Garniff and I read that item, I'd uh, take the train. That would be your first thought. Then you would think they're saying they're taking the plane to make me think they're taking the train. Therefore, you would take the plane after all. Oh, would you? If you were really clever, 
You might say they're taking the plane to make one think it's the train, so I'll take the plane after all, and therefore... Never mind. By this time, he's decided on the bus. The train is perfectly safe. You follow? The package was light in the drawing room, and the train was comfortable. Seemed like an easy way to earn a hundred bucks. I knew it wouldn't last. Never does. I was prepared for the knock on the door, and I got ready for the inevitable small dark man who plays the Peter Laurie part, but this one fooled me. He was a tall, thin actor with sandy hair. Okay, Shamus, hand over the package. You won't be no trouble. Sure, there it is on the seat. Take it. Huh? It's okay. You got me covered. I won't make any move. Hey, what are you trying to pull? It's a stick-up, isn't it? Hey, maybe I got the wrong compartment. No, that's it. The cup's in there. Unwrap it and see for yourself. Oh, no, you don't. I ain't picking up no booby traps. Oh, you're yellow, huh? <laughs> I know that one, too. I don't cut no ice for me. Suit yourself. Game of gin? Hey, you're nuts. I'm getting out of here. Hey, wait a minute, pal. I'll buy you a drink. I don't drink. Lunch? In a go. <laughs> yes, indeed, Mr. Spade. I agree. Clarence is a very comical fellow. So are you. I took the liberty of stepping into your forecastle whilst you had your bit of railway in the after companion with my mate, dear Clarence. You mind? Uh, not at all. Well, sir, I'm afraid you're going to mind a great deal. Oh! And that's how I met you, Commodore. I was so busy sizing up the 45 in your right hand that I didn't even notice when you left whipped out of your coat pocket with one of the largest saps I have ever felt. The next time I saw light, you were gone, the Vafio Cup was gone, and the train was pulling into San Jose. I got off, rode back to San Francisco with a truckload of chickens, and headed straight for my client's apartment. You got here quick? Yeah. Come in. Thanks. Well? Well, what? Look, uh, we can't both play this dead man. We'll stay no place. It's in the back room. What is? The body. You're from the police, aren't you? I'm a private victim. How dare you? Hey, what was that for? For spying on me. You and all the other cheap gumshoes my husband hires. You're Mrs. Brody? I'm Enid Theophilus. Didn't the meet... Did my husband hire you? My name is Sam Spade. I was hired by one Chester A. Brody, your husband's business partner. Well, Sam, I hope he paid you in advance, because he's the body. Chester A. Brody was just barely identifiable. Somebody had worked hard trying to persuade him to say or do something he either couldn't or wouldn't do. The only interesting clue was in the wastebasket. At first, I thought it was a flattened beer can. But it was the Vafio Cup, or a facsimile thereof. Well, how do you like it, Sam? I don't. He was my client. I wasn't hired to protect him. I didn't like him, but he was my client. How would you like me for a client? I'll give you the name of a lawyer, sister. My name is Enid. Enid? Now, let's see what I can squeeze out of you before the cops do. Brody was your husband's business partner, and you're, uh... You don't have to be subtle. He was mad about me. I'm... I'm all broken up about his death. So is he. That wasn't funny. That time I deserved it. You don't like me, do you? 
Can't you get it through that steel jacketed brain of yours that you're in bad trouble, that there's a dead man in the next room beaten to death and you're not supposed to be here? Oh, I was supposed to be here. We were going to elope as soon as you brought back the money from that uh, Greek thing. Yeah, what about that Greek thing? It was an antique. It was called the Vafio Cup. Yes, I know about that. Well, my husband dug it up in Greece and smuggled it into the country. Yeah. It was all he had, but it was such an important piece that he was able to persuade Chet, um, the late Chester Brody, that is, to let him in as a full partner. Then what? Well, they quarreled. My husband made some bad investments, and Chet wanted to sell the cup to save the firm. Dimitri refused. I didn't think it was fair, so I got the keys to his safety deposit box where the cup was, and Chet arranged to sell it to the Commodore. Did, uh, did you get the money from the Commodore? All I got from the Commodore was lumps. He stole the cup? Roger. You've got to get it back. I've got it. Where? Here, take a look. It's ruined. Where did you find it? In a trash basket where it belongs. Dimitri did it. He must have suspected something and substituted a fake. That's it. He knows where the real one is. Somebody thought that your boyfriend knew. The one that killed him? That's the way it looks. Maybe that's the way it was meant to look. You know, somebody might get the idea that you palmed the genuine when you got it out of that safety deposit box. If I did, it was legal, and don't you forget it. A wife can't steal from her husband. Legally, they're one person you can't steal from yourself. That's the law. I was wrong. You don't need a lawyer. Will you help me? I may hurt you, and it'll cost you anyway. I know what's good for me. Money. Find that cup. I know what's good for me, too. So I uh, took her hundred bucks, advised her to go home, and made for my own humble lodging. They were not only humble, they were crowded. The man was small, but the gun was enormous. I said, uh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Your name is Dmitri Theopolis, and you want this package that I'm carrying. The makers of Wild Root Cream Oil are presenting the weekly Sunday adventure of Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, Sam Spade. Back to the Bafio Cup Caper. Tonight's adventure with Sam Spade. He didn't answer me, so I said it again. Uh, don't bother to introduce yourself. Your name is Dimitri Theopolis, and you want this package that I'm carrying. Of that be assured. You obtained this from my dear wife. And how did you find my darling? Not at the city pond, surprisingly enough. Oh, you know, my dear wife. How soon you know my darling so well, more than I, her husband. <laughs> is it possible? I don't know, is it? I don't know either. I employ a detective. Not this one. I have need. My poor partner, Mr. Brody. You are interested. If you are interesting about who killed your partner, that's one thing. But if you want somebody to dig out your family secrets, that is nothing. With me, you are, shall we say, no place. But why don't I get the right to know? There'll be no trouble, no scandal, no divorcement suing. Of that be assured. Even poor Chester is dead, so... He's what one calls ancient history. While he lived, I knew nothing. I was blind. After he died, I see certain things. Yeah, well, uh, do you see that maybe your wife had a hand in Brody's death? What then? Well, if 
It so happens that you cannot separate my darling from that. Do you follow? Not quite. Ah. I'm not an old man. Oh, but my that. dear wife is but two and twenty, and a truly lovely person. Yeah, she's all right. Uh, would it not be the part of husbandly wisdom to have, uh, shall I say, uh, a hold over her? If she's guilty, you won't need it. Good. <laughs> Please, I cannot hold the gun and handle my wallet at the same time. Please. Uh, no, thanks. You keep the gun. I'll take the wallet. Oh, you trust me. You will work for me. Yeah, I'll work for anybody. <laughs> Here, I... Uh, Left your cab. Sir. Oh, assuredly, you are so very kind. Oh, I'm not so kind. the package, yes? No. The, then I don't hesitate to shoot you. Now, wait a minute. Yes? This is the fake. You sure you want this? Assuredly, yes. A man has already been killed for it. Your life's a high price to pay for a fake, though fancy, tin cup. You still think that's the price? Brother, I know it. Then you know I will kill you for it. Okay, if it means that much to you, and I guess it does, it's all yours. Okay, thank you, okay. Uh, please remain where you are. If you follow me, I will surely suit you. From my front window, I watched them come out downstairs and start across the street. Then it happened. I saw the gun flash as it fired, and Theophilus slumped to the pavement. The package slid away from him into the gutter. I beat it down to him. We've taken all three pellets in the midsection from close range. His pulse fluttered once or twice and then stopped. When I went to look for the package, it wasn't there. I called homicide and waited until they took him away. When I told Lieutenant Dundee what I had in mind, he congratulated me on my brilliant scheme and told me to go ahead with it. That was his mistake. I even talked him out of assigning any of his harness men to watch my building for the next couple of hours. That was my mistake. I went upstairs, opened the bottle, and waited for your knock on my door, Commodore. Well, sir, a man would almost think you expected us. Keep a better eye on him, Clarence. Don't let him get to lured. Aye, sir. Welcome aboard. No time for scuttlebutt, Mr. Spade. We are bound for Bullylong Bali on the lookout for Maru, sailing at dawn. I want that cup. The true, the genuine, the Vaffio cup. No more deceptions, no more trickery. You will hand it over without further delay. Sure. Be glad to. Oh, no. Not like that. You will tell Clarence where it is stowed, and Clarence will fetch it above decks. Why, you old barnacle. Theophilus never had his mitts on a genuine Vafio cup. Bilgewater, sir. When Theophilus landed in San Francisco, he didn't have a farthing. Now he owes half a million dollars. If he hadn't got the genuine cup, how could he have borrowed all that money? Because a bunch of morons like you believed he had it. Lost my binnacles, man. You sound as though you believe what you're saying. Look, uh, Commodore, you're interested in high finance. Now, how did Ivor Kruger make his millions? Why, Matches. He was the Match King, sir. Uh, matches had nothing to do with it, Commodore. He uh, started out with 15 million bucks worth of phony government bonds that he printed himself. Follow? They weren't even good counterfeits, but he was smart enough not to try and cash them. He just kept them in a safety deposit box and borrowed money. Theophilus uh, used his phony Vafio cup the same way. Lost my pinnacles, man. You sound as though you believe what you're saying. That has a familiar ring to it. I do. And I'll tell you why. He knew that that was the fake in the package when he held me up for it. He was willing to risk his own life to get it out of circulation. Dash my timbers. Old Piotrus has left us without a shot in the locker. You steer us onto the shoals. We're on our beam ends. Hey, turn them off, Commodore. You're pumping bilge flush. We better haul our wind. Yes, indeed. I'm afraid it's getting rather warm in San Francisco. 
Hold it on, Beckham. You won't make it past the potato patch. What? The cops are going to want some answers about a couple of stiffs you left behind in San Francisco. I'm glad you reminded me. Can I plug him? No, no. We're taking him with us. Oh, uh, that's what you think. Take it easy, mate. This ain't going to hurt a bit. A reek of chloroform filled the room and a fist pounded into my belly. It knocked my wind out, and at the same time, my nose collided with something wet and cold. I swung out, but didn't connect. Before I could swing again, the room blurred and the ceiling light floated down to meet me. Then the lights went out altogether. At first, I couldn't figure it. It uh, sounded like what a doctor hears through a stethoscope or maybe an earthquake or maybe ship engines, which it turned out to be. When the lights came on again, I was lying on a bunk in a stateroom. I staggered across to the wash basin and splashed water on my face. Hello, you. Uh, Enid, as I hardly live and breathe. It could get worse. Yeah, where are we? Oh, not very far out. Not past the Farallon. Uh, good. I'm a stowaway, and I'll put me off with the pilot. Oh, no, you're not. Your passage is paid. Mine? It is, huh? It is. Do you know who you are? Who am I? Chester Brody. Then I'm dead. They'll bury me at sea. Roger. Who are you? I'm your widow. What's the score, widow? Chester and I booked passage on this ship a week ago. It was part of the plan. Chester and the Commodore worked it all out. Yeah, the cup was to have been stolen from me on the train. Yes, but when the Commodore discovered it was a fake, everything fell to pieces. Yeah, he thought Chester was double-crossing him. They hmm? forced Chet to talk. He told them Dimitri still had the genuine Vafio cup and had hired you for the double-cross. Maybe he really believed it. Anyway, they killed Dimitri. Yeah, well, there's nothing on them yet. But uh, you're a material witness, sweetheart, to at least one of the killings. That's extraditable. When that dawns on them, they'll uh, scuttle you, too. It's already dawned on them. I'm, I'm desperate. Yes, I notice. For you, you're practically hysterical. We have to face facts. Yeah, well, give me a couple to face right now. Where are the Commodore and Clarence? Up on the bridge. Good. All you have to do is walk straight up to the captain. He'll put him under arrest. Well, that might be a good idea, darling. Only... Only what? Only the Commodore is the captain. That tore it. Your uh, salty talk had fooled me, Commodore. I never dreamed that you were really an old sea dog, and I do mean dog. But two can play at that game. From my own intimate knowledge of Sea Story magazines, I realized that all hands would be turned to in the cargo gear, and the crew quarters would be, therefore, empty. In more time than it takes to tell, Enid and I had fitted ourselves out in dungarees, jumpers, and watch caps, and turned to with them. Oh, me? You uh, may recall, Commodore, you may recall me as the man who ran for a fire extinguisher when the bosun yelled, stole the preventer. But experience is the best teacher, and by the time we hold to to put the pilot over the side, things were in such a state of confusion that you had retreated to your cabin with a quadruple ration of grog. Seizing that moment, I threw Enid over the side, yelled, Man overboard! And jumped in after him. <laughs> Once safely aboard the pilot schooner, we revealed our true identity and a merry laugh was enjoyed by all. 
It uh, dropped us at the foot of Market, and we waved warm farewells to our erstwhile rescuers, then to the snug haven of my office in a friendly cup, if you'll pardon the expression, in the grateful warmth of a gas radiator. Hmm. Unhealthy. <sighs> Who, me? Gas fumes. Hmm. Why don't you move into a building with steam heat? I, I like this building. Yeah, I've been here for a long time. You don't make much money, do you? You don't have to rub it in. It's a living. <laughs> you happy? Sure, I am. Well, I guess it's all right, then. <clears throat> you know, sweetheart, yeah. uh, there's uh, something missing in you. Huh? What? I don't know. Then how do you know? Forget it. Well, I guess I'll go. Do you, uh, do you mind if I don't see you to the door? Why should I? <laughs> hey, you are human. Yeah, they're wet. Go ahead, sweetheart. Cry on you want. It's been tough. You shouldn't have kept it bottled up this long. Well, it's not what you think. What is it? It's you. You're so nice. I'm nice. Yeah, but you're no place. You never will be. And neither will I. And that, Commodore, is the cargo. It was nice seeing you again down at the hall. They uh, tell me you and Clarence are both trying to turn state's evidence. But according to the late bulletins, Clarence was leading by a neck in the stretch. Get it? The DA was afraid the jury might not understand your salty talk. Period. End of sea chanty. Oh, Sam. Yes, what, what, what? Oh, hmm? oh I just can't. I, oh, why I can't, can't you? Are, are you feeling okay, F? Oh, hmm? you betrayed your trust. You... Yes, you speak oh. to me. What is it? What is it? I betrayed my trust. What, what? Oh, those criminals were on that boat. Yes. And you, you jumped overboard. You feel that I was recalcitrant? Is that it? That my actions were not true blue? Clear-cut? Is that it? Oh, I'll just go type this up, and I'm sure you can explain. I hope you can. I hope. Sour racket. Oh, here it is, Sam. I hope the spelling is all right. I was so upset. You hate me, then? Oh, no. No? I suppose it's foolish going along thinking that your ideal doesn't have to be claim. Oh, Sam, I, I, I just can't. I just can't imagine. Don't you think? Don't you think I can explain that? Oh, yes, I'm sure you can explain. But you did. You deserted your post and jumped overboard like a thinking rat. That's right. Oh, Sam, that's so unlike you. It was just by chance they were apprehended. By chance, you say? Who do you think it was that got himself shot out of a torpedo tube in that submarine? You, Sam? No, you think I'm crazy? I <laughs> did something few radio detectives ever do, sweetheart. I called the Harbor Patrol single-handed using only one nickel and had them picked up. Oh, Sam, I wish I'd been there. Well, it was just a small phone booth. Besides, if you'd been there, it would have been out of order or something. Oh, Sam, you came through after all. Aren't you ashamed that you ever doubted me? Yes, I am. I'm a fool. There, there, there. I forgive you. Good night, Sam. Good night, sweetheart. <laughs> The 
Adventures of Sam Spade, Dashiell Hammett's famous private detective, are produced and directed by William Spear. Sam Spade is played by Howard Dove. Lorene Tuttle is Effie. The Adventures of Sam Spade are written for radio by Bob Tallman and Gil Dow. Musical direction is by Lud Gluskin with score composed by Rene Garrigan. Join us again next Sunday when author Dashiell Hammett and producer William Spear join forces for another adventure with Sam Spade. Brought to you by Wild Root Cream Oil. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. This is Dick Joy reminding you to... Get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. It keeps your hair in trim. You see, it's non-alcoholic, Charlie. It's made with soothing lanolin. You better get Wild Root Cream Oil, Charlie. Start using it today. You'll find that you will have a tough time, Charlie. Keeping all the gals away. Hiya, Baldy. Get Wild Root right away. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Stay tuned for The Lone Ranger, next on Theater of the Mind. You're listening to Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And now, riding that beautiful horse silver is The Lone Ranger, and an episode first heard in 1942. and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. Tonto, the masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. The stories of his strength and courage, his daring and resourcefulness, have come down to us through the generations, and nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. 
Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Come on, Silver. There's trouble on the trail ahead. Hail, Silver! Ordinarily, Cass Greenstreet, president of the state bank at Dawson, Nevada, didn't have lunch with Saul Conroy, his head teller. In fact, today was the first time in ten years that both men had left the bank at exactly 12 noon. Say, Cass, folks might think this is kind of funny, both of us going to lunch at the same time. Nobody will notice, Conroy. Come on. We'll lead over to the hotel dining room. A few minutes later, the banker and his assistant were seated at a small table in the dining room of Dawson's only hotel. Then Cass Greenstreet consulted his watch. Well, Conroy, it's five minutes after twelve. Nothing's happened. It'll happen all right. I'm not worried. I am. How can we be sure this hombre, whoever he is, will follow through and hold up the bank? Because I told him it would be easy. Who is he, anyway? Well, I don't know. Just a tramp I picked up in Pineville. How about Sheriff Tuttle? Did you get word to him? Yeah, I wrote him a note. I slipped it under the door of his office last night. Wrote him a note? Why, well, I mean, I printed it. He'll take the tip all right. Bet he's out in front of the bank right now. Well, I hope so. And he'll be primed to shoot. Because in the note, I said this bank rival was a killer. Then I signed it with a name that's a cinch to make him think it's the truth. How'd you sign it? <laughs> I gotta laugh every time I think about that note. Never mind laughing. <laughs> Just remember, there is a killing. You've got to get to the tramp before anybody else does. Sure, but you don't have... That must be it. Hurry up. Get over there. Now, Cass, there's no need to... I said hurry. All right, I'm going. Everything depends on it. Dawson Bank has been held up and robbed, and if the sheriff has killed the outlaw, you've got to examine the dead man before anyone else does. Now, get going. Oddly enough, the fears or hopes of Cass Greenstreet had been true. A masked outlaw had tried to hold up the bank just a few minutes after 12 o'clock. And it had been a simple affair because there had been no one there except an old bookkeeper. When the outlaw had emerged from the bank with a sack of gold under his arm, he'd walked into the point-blank fire of Sheriff Tuttle's six guns. He was killed instantly. That afternoon, just at sundown, a small crowd gathered on Boot Hill to witness the unhappy outlaw's burial. A rough pine box was lowered into the grave, then the local parson spoke a few words. The crowd departed quickly, and after a grave digger had filled a shallow trench and pushed a wooden marker into the earth, he too left the scene. No one noticed a rather quiet young man who remained behind to stare dubiously at the writing on the wooden headboard. That is, no one noticed him but two horsemen who had watched the entire scene from a grove of cottonwoods not far away. One of the men was masked and rode a powerful white stallion. His companion was an Indian. It was the Lone Ranger and Tonto. Tonto, I wonder why one man stayed behind. Oh, me not know. Maybe he's a relative of the outlaw they had just buried. Oh. Still, I don't... Let's go over and talk to him. Ah. Come on, Silver. Get him up, Scout. Oh, Silver. Scout, hold on. A masked man. This country's full of surprises. Who are you? He's a big fella. I don't want to intrude. Well, I guess Boot Hill's public property. You've got as much right here as I have. Was the man they just buried a relative of yours? That's what I've been standing here trying to figure out. Don't you know? Tell you the truth, I'm a little bit mixed up. The army that's planted under that headboard held up the Dawson Bank at noon today. Yes, I know. 
and he was shot and killed by the sheriff. Well, what connection does that have with you? Go over and look at the writing on that wooden slab at the head of the grave. All right. Here lies Jack Potter, age 28. Shot and killed while attempting to rob the Dawson State Bank. May his evil soul at last find peace. Well, it just says that the outlaw was a man named Potter, age 28. Yeah, I know. That's what's got me mixed up. What do you mean? That's my name. You see, I'm Jack Potter. A few minutes later, in the Lone Ranger's camp, Jack Potter told the masked man and Tonto a strange story. I'm from the southern part of the state. Up until a few days ago, I was punching cows in a spread down there. Then I got a letter from a banker here in Dawson. It said that my Uncle Jeb, who lived here, just died. I was his heir. Was that true? I guess so. I've never found out. Go on. It said to come up here right away and bring positive proof of my identity. Could you do that? Sure. I had my discharge papers from the Army. So I got on a train and came up to Pineville. Pineville? Oh, I forgot to tell you. The letter also said that because there wasn't any railroad running through Dawson, I was to get off the train in Pineville, and somebody would meet me there. Did they? Yeah. When I got off the train in Pineville last night, two men were waiting for me. Are you Jack Potter? That's me. Well, welcome to Pineville. My name's Conroy. Mr. Greenstreet from the Dawson Bank sent me over to meet you. Well, it's mighty nice of Mr. Greenstreet. But I guess I could have found my way to Dawson, all right. Oh, sure, but I brought my rig. We'll drive over in the morning. Morning? Oh, it's a hard trip. You'd better rest here overnight. Oh, excuse me, Potter. This is, uh, this is Mr. Anderson. Glad to know you. Hey. I have a room reserved for you at the hotel. Guess we might as well go on over there. Sure, anything you say. Oh, by the way, Potter, I hope you brought your legal identification with you. Mr. Greenstreet will want to see it as soon as you get to Dawson. Oh, sure. I've got my army discharge papers right here in my pocket. Oh, then let's go to the hotel. Come on, Anderson. You spent the night in Pineville? Most of it. But I didn't do much sleeping. What do you mean? Well, the three of us, Conroy, Anderson, and I, had supper. Then we went upstairs to our rooms. Well, uh, here's your room, Potter. Anderson and I have to go up another flight. Couldn't get all three rooms on the same floor. <laughs> well, that's all right, Mr. Conroy. I'm not used to hotels, but I'll make out all right. Oh, of course you will. And we'll call you first thing in the morning. Good night, Potter. Good night. Good night, Mr. Anderson. Good night. And what happened the next morning? Things began to happen before morning. You see, I'd been sleeping out in the open for years. That hotel bed felt strange. I, I couldn't get comfortable. I must have turned and twisted for an hour or more. But I couldn't go to sleep. Well, finally, I decided I'd try putting my head at the bottom of the bed instead of the top. Well, that's when it happened. What happened? I heard a key put in my door. And it started to turn, real soft-like. I was wide awake, but I figured the best thing to do was play possum. So I waited until the lock clicked and the door opened just a crack. And somebody whispered my name. Putty. Jack Putty. When I didn't answer, the door opened real fast and somebody came in the room. It was so dark I, I couldn't see. Whoever this critter was, I could hear him breathe as he came over to the bed. I, I didn't know what to do. My guns were lying on a chair five feet away. 
Then as he came closer, I saw he had a shooting iron in his hand, and he was aiming it at the pillow at the head of the bed. I guess in the dark, the pillow must have looked like my head, because the next thing he did was squeeze the trigger. I raised up and tried to grab him. What the... But he had the advantage of standing up, and I was lying flat on my back. He swung on me with the butt end of his gun. And that's the last thing I knew. When did you regain consciousness? This morning. I've still got a big lump on my head, but otherwise I'm all right. Who was this man who tried to kill you, you know? I've got a hunch it was Anderson. Well, uh, what makes you think so? Because when I was able to move around this morning, both Anderson and Conroy were gone. So I rented a horse and rode over here to Dawson. Have you seen either of those men since you arrived? No. Because when I got in town, they were having that planting ceremony over on Poot Hill. And whoever's in that grave must have had my army papers on him. Well, why didn't you go directly to the bank and talk to Green Street or Conroy? I thought of that. Then I figured I'd have a hard time proving who I am. Especially when I just finished burying one army named Potter. You should have gone to the sheriff and told him about it. I was going to do that, too. But when the funeral was going on, I heard somebody say that Sheriff Tuttle knew this critter was a professional bank robber because he got a note from the Lone Ranger What? Say... What did you say? I said this Lone Ranger must have tipped off the sheriff. Did because... you hear that, Tuttle? Ah. Oh, what's wrong? Everything. Seems, Potter, that you're not the only one who's involved in this attempt to bury a man who isn't dead. I don't understand. Neither do I. But I intend to find out. Here, Silver. I think I'll go to Dawson and look up this Conroy critter. If he thinks no, he can... No, Potter. Wait here with Tonto. I'll be right back. Easy, big fellow. But what'll I do about this? Don't worry. You won't be alone. We'll both do something about it. Come on, Silver. <laughs> understand you received a note from me. I sure did. I'm much obliged for the tip-off. Caught that bank robbing varmint red-handed. Yes, I heard about it. Nailed him right between the eyes. And we planned him on Boot Hill about an hour ago. Yeah, I see that note, Sheriff. You, you mean... Well, sure, sure. Here it is. Hmm. Dear Sheriff, a bushwhacker that works alone is aiming to stick up the Dawson Bank at noon today. I thought you'd like to know about it. Sign the Lone Ranger. Mighty nice of you to give me the tip. How'd you know? I didn't. I didn't write this note, Sheriff. You didn't? Then how could you know Tell that? Tell me, who was this outlaw? Did you identify him? Young buckaroo named Potter. Jack Potter. Sheriff, I don't know who it was who robbed the bank today, but I do know the man buried up on Boot Hill isn't Jack Potter. Isn't Jack? And I'm sure that Conroy and Green Street can tell you who it is. You mean them two hombres are pulling the shenanigans? They've already pulled it. Yeah? Well, I never did like them critters. I'll rustle them out of bed right now. No, Sheriff. I'm involved in this, too. We need proof before we can accuse anyone of a crime. You say you didn't write that note. That's good enough for me. I'll get Conroy and Green Street. No. It's always best to let crooks convict themselves. What do you mean? Wait a couple of days. I'll keep in touch with you. In the meantime, I'll ask a ghost to help us. A ghost? Yes, Silver. Sometimes fear is more powerful than lead, Sheriff. Come on, Silver. Well, I'll be. If I didn't know he was the Lone Ranger, I'd swear that man was local. Silver! 
curtain falls on the first act of our Lone Ranger story. Before the next exciting scenes, please permit us to pause for just a few moments. our story. After the masked man left Sheriff Tuttle's office, he returned to the camp where Tonto and Jack Potter were waiting for him. There he proposed a plan that would take several days to complete. Now this is what I want you to do. Write a letter to Green Street. Pretend that you've just received his letter. Tell him you'll arrive in Pineville the following day. What good will that do? I'll explain it later. Write the letter now. Sure I will. Where can I get paper and a pencil? Over in my saddlebag. Thanks. Uh, Tonto. Uh-huh. As soon as he finishes writing that letter, I want you to take it and ride south. Uh-huh. Where me go? To the town nearest the ranch where Potter used to work. Mail it at the post office there. Ah, me do it. Then ride back to Pineville. I'll meet you by the river just east of town. Ah. Here. It's sort of scribbled, but I guess you'll be able to read it. That's all right. Here, Tano. Ah. Now ride fast. I want that letter to arrive back here in Dawson by tomorrow afternoon. Easy, scout. <coughs> me take letter. Come back to Pineville. That's right. In a hurry, Tano. Ah. Get him up, scout. I guess I don't exactly understand what you're doing. It's simple. That's the main reason why it should work. You and I'll go to Pineville. And then, day after tomorrow, you'll pretend you've just gone off the train. But why? Because tomorrow afternoon, Mr. Greenstreet will receive a letter he'll hardly believe. Letter for you, Cass. Who's it from? I don't know. It was the only mail on the afternoon stage. Let me see it. This is impossible. What is it? This is from that kid down south. Jack Potter. Potter? Listen. He says, Dear Mr. Greenstreet, I am sorry to hear about Uncle Jeb's death. Regarding the inheritance and complying with your instructions, I'll arrive in Pineville tomorrow afternoon. Sincerely yours, Jack Potter. Oh, I I know what it is. That letter's been delayed some way. Should have been here two days ago. But it doesn't make any difference now because I'm... Conroy, look at the date at the top of the page. Date? Sure. Dated yesterday morning. Can't be. It's a mistake. I thought you met this kid in Pineville yesterday afternoon. I did, Cass. Really, I did. I thought you hired a tramp to put a bullet through his head. The same tramp that was killed yesterday. I did. I mean, he did. I know he killed Potter because he brought me the army discharge papers that night in the hotel. And besides that, I heard the shot. Then how do you explain this letter? It's a mistake. Potter must have written it before he left and put the wrong date on it. Maybe you're right. Just to make sure, you'd better go over to Pineville tomorrow and meet that train from the south. Yes, it isn't true. It can't be true. Listen, I don't know what happened in Pineville, but I do know what'll happen to you and me if that Potter boy is still alive. Go over there, meet that train, and if he's on it, don't hire any tramps. Do the job yourself this time. You you mean... You know what I mean. All right. I'll do it. Hey, uh, stranger, can you tell me how to get to Dawson? Why, well, sure. I... Oh, I'm a stranger in this neck of the woods, and I well, thought... What's your name? Potter. Jack Potter. I'm on my way to Dawson. I guess I'll have to catch a stage over there, but I don't know where to find it. Uh, have you... Have you ever been here in Pineville before? First time I ever saw the place. Say, stranger, what's wrong with you? Oh, oh, nothing. Nothing at all. You, you know, it's... It's rather a coincidence you coming up and speaking to me like you did. That's so? Yeah, you see, I 
Hey, came over from Dawson to meet a man named Jack Potter. I guess you're him. Well, this is lucky. Uh, what's your name? I'm Sal Conroy. Mr. Greenstreet from the bank sent me over to meet you. Well, it's mighty nice of Mr. Greenstreet. He sent word about Uncle Jeb dying, so I came right up. I guess he must have got my letter, too. Yes, he got it. Well, where do we catch the stage for Dawson? Well, there isn't any stage until tomorrow morning. We'll, we'll have to spend the night here in Pineville. Oh, that's so? Well, I guess I can use a rest. Oh, sure, sure you can. I've got a room all reserved for you at the hotel. Well, it's mighty decent of you, Mr. Conroy. But you shouldn't have gone to all that trouble. Oh, no, no trouble at all. Glad to do it. You see, Mr. Greenstreet told me to be sure and take care of you. So I'm just following instructions. Oh, here, here. Okay. Let me carry your suitcase. Thanks, Mr. Conroy. Come on, we'll go to the hotel now. Conroy and Jack Potter are eating supper in the hotel dining room. Uh, and Conroy isn't wearing his gun belt. Must be in his room. There's a store building right by the side of the hotel. You can climb up there and get into Conroy's room through the window. Um, why Tonto do this? Find his gun. Take out the bullets and fill it with these blanks. Here. Uh, Tonto, go. Well, here's your room, Potter. My bunk is one flight up. Couldn't get both rooms on the same floor. <laughs> well, that's all right, Mr. Conroy. I'll make out all right. Feel right at home. What? What's that? No, there's something familiar about this place. What? What do you mean? Almost like I'd been here before. No, I must be crazy. Either you are or I am. What did you say? Oh, nothing, nothing. Good night, Potter. Good night, Mr. Conroy. I'll see you in the morning. Yeah. I'll see you in the morning. Now, the only thing to do is wait. Pretend to be asleep. I sure hope that masked man or the Indian reached Conroy's guns before he did. For a while, I thought you might be a ghost, but this will settle it. Oh. 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 Oh, Conroy, what happened? I met the train case yesterday afternoon. Well? And this kid, Jack Potter, was on it. He was. And who was the other critter? On the tramp drill, who said he did? I don't know. Those army discharge papers the tramp gave to you. We planted him after he was killed. They belonged to Potter. What happened to the kid you met yesterday? I took him to the hotel in Pineville. Then I plugged him just like you told me to. Are you sure? I'm positive. Well, I hope so. There's been a mix-up someplace, but as long as they're both dead, I guess... Letter for you, Mr. Greenstreet. All right, give it to me. What? 
Chaos. Chaos, what is it? Listen to this. Dear Mr. Greenstreet, I'm sorry I missed the Pineville train yesterday. I hope I didn't inconvenience you in any way. I've decided not to ride the train anyway. I'll come to Dawson direct by stage from the south. I'll arrive about 10 p.m. and go right to the bank. Sincerely yours. Signed, Jack Potter. No. No, it can't be from Potter. He's dead. It's right there in black and white. I don't believe it. I killed him. And dead men can't write letters. Shut up. You've got to figure this out. It's a ghost cast. That's what it is. Jack Potter's dead. He's lying up there on Boot Hill. I killed a ghost last night. And now the... This is another one. Be quiet. How can I think with you sniveling like an old woman? But Cass, I talked to him. I ate supper with him and I killed him. No. No, I didn't. Nobody can kill a ghost. That's why he's coming here tonight. Quiet. Oh, Cass. Only one thing to do. We've got to ride out and meet the stage tonight before it gets to town. Ride out and meet... No. No, I'm not going. I say we're both going. But this time I'll do the show. Cass, you can't kill a ghost. Somebody that's already dead. Stop yapping. Good solid slug from a 45 doesn't care what it hits. You and I'll meet that stage. We shouldn't do it, Cass. We shouldn't do it. Quit squawking. Get that mask over your face. Don't want the stage driver to recognize us. Shut up. There's the stage. Hey, pull up. Pull up, Ralph. Shoot. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Keep your hands up. And they're up. A road agent, huh? Well, boys, this is one time you picked the wrong coach. I ain't carrying a lead quarter. We don't want any cash. All we want to do is talk to the passenger you've got inside. Passenger? You draw another blank, boys. I haven't carried a passenger on this run for over two weeks. I don't believe it. Tell your passenger to get out. You tell him. If you can find him. He's right. There's no one inside the coach. Satisfied? I... All right, get moving. Anything to oblige. Get up. I can't understand it. I can. We're dealing with a ghost, a man who's dead on Boot Hill, but his ghost is plaguing us because we're stealing the money that's rightfully his. Shut up. Get on your horse. What are you going to do, Cass? Ride back to the bank. Come on. Get up, man. Get up. As soon as they get inside, you go up and knock on the door. Shall I carry the suitcase? Of course. You just got off the stage. It doesn't make sense. None of it. Yes, I, I told you what we're up against. If you mention ghosts again, I'll... Excuse at the door. No, no. It All might right. be. I'll open it myself. Mr. Greenstreet? Who are you? Seems kind of funny that you don't ask me in. I've had a long trip. I just came in on the 10 o'clock stage. You just... Yes. I thought you'd be expecting me. My name's Potter. Jack Potter. Yes! Yes, it's him! It's Potter! The man I killed! He's dead! Shut up! I will not shut up! You're talking to a ghost! This is what we get for robbing the estate! I, uh, came to see about the money that Uncle Jeff left to me. Oh, you did, eh? Well, I don't believe in ghosts, so get your hands up, both of them. Why, uh... Drop that suitcase and get them up. That's better. Now, listen to me. I don't know what your game is, but you're not going to outsmart me. I'm not trying to outsmart anybody. Oh, yes, you are. 
that I'm going to plug you so it doesn't make any difference how much you know. Sure, I took the money from your uncle's estate. I've got every bit of it. And now I'm going to... You do nothing, Green Street. Why, you... Come on in, Sheriff. Well, well. Nice little sociable party. You heard Green Street's and Conroy's confession, didn't you, Sheriff? Heard every word. Enough to send them both to the penitentiary for life. He's a ghost. He's a ghost. I'll leave them in your hands, Toto. Where are the horses? Silver Scout. Outside. Good. Adios, Jack Potter, and good luck. Oh, wait, wait. I don't even know who you are. A lot of folks have said the same thing, Jack. But he didn't give me a chance to thank him for everything he did. He never waits for thanks, son. That's the Lone Ranger. is a copyrighted feature of the Lone Ranger Incorporated. Thanks for listening. I hope you're here tomorrow night for Phil Harris and Alice Fay, followed by Philip Marlowe. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer of Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great evening. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.